Welcome to Type 1 Rattle On with Type 1 Tobias. This podcast will talk about mental health and will include details of stressed periods of time. If this may upset you or if you are in need of urgent help, please contact relevant services, either your emergency services if, if you require urgent help, or help via online searches or speak to a friend or relative. Thank you. Right, I'm going to have to try and put on some positive spin of the most negative podcast I'm going to do, where we talk about all things mental health. Listen, this isn't a podcast where I am going to seek sympathy or pity or anything like that. If you're listening to this and you're a fellow diabetic, hopefully it'll make you nod, go, yeah, and I might be able to put some funny twist on things. If you're not a diabetic, then it might give you an insight into the things that we may feel or think, or just give you an insight into our day-to-day life. A further note I must make is that whether you're diabetic or not, everyone would experience and deal with problems differently. And that's hopefully how sometimes we'll be able to create a better understanding of things. I'm going to break this into two parts, really. This will still be in the same episode, but first of all, I'm going to talk about the stage of dealing with a diagnosis. And then a little bit later on, I'm going to talk about feelings that may occur every now and again from me as a type one and others that have shared feelings such as burnout which is quite common within the type 1 diabetes community first of all diabetes you've just been diagnosed or you know someone that has maybe your child has or you've been diagnosed for a while but the initial diagnosis is what i'm going to talk about and this can happen throughout life at any time it's not just associated with juveniles as it was initially called juvenile diabetes because it was i developed type 1 diabetes or it kicked into my system when i was 27 and it was a bit of a shock at first you know being told that you're going to have to inject for the rest of your life it wasn't too much of a problem for me because i understood that at least i was alive but for many that must be a very big step And first feeling may be denial. Like, no, I can get rid of it. No, I haven't got it. No, it isn't me. No, you've got things wrong. I remember when I had lots of bloods taken and they couldn't initially confirm that I was a type 1 diabetic. I had to wait for bloods like the HB1, A1C. And it wasn't until I'd met with my consultant a month afterwards where he said, you've been injecting yourself with insulin for a month. Of course you're diabetic. Yet I was still hoping that maybe I wasn't. That's part of the denial. Call it denial or hope that you're not. That's element one. A further part of denial and linking into stage two of anger is the why scenario. Why has this triggered inside my body? What have I done that's caused the trigger? How can I have not done that? Was it because I drank too many shots of tequila one night? Was it because I sunbathed when I was on holiday? Was it social cigarettes on occasions? Was it celebrating a goal too hard? Why? Why now? Why me? And what can I do to reverse it? And that, that middle bit of understanding you can't reverse it is quite key. I think 
sitting in a hospital bed considering every decision that you made that may have been unhealthy to your body whilst you're being poked and prodded would occur to anyone whether it be uh, through a diagnosis or I think after any operation um, it's it's like the old age feeling of you don't know what you've got until it's gone but in this form it's good health and an immune system and a pancreas let's be honest I didn't know what a pancreas was I think stage three is bargaining and that that came into play around a week or two afterwards for me and that's where in your head you're wanting and wishing and thinking what you'd do to go back to however long before when you was normal effectively and you hear the words new normal especially now I think 2020 made new normal the, the most overused saying ever but in light of type 1 diabetes it is a, a new normal of life of waking up and checking your blood sugars and going and checking your blood sugars before you go to sleep all I had to do before when I went to sleep was moisturize on the odd occasion when I thought I was getting old and now prick your finger put the the strip into the machine take your bloods correct if you need to eat if you need to monitor wonder what your basil is going to be there's there's a million questions now <laughs> and that's the bargaining tool of wanting and wishing to just go back a little bit sadly when you realize you can't go back and that this is your life you reach stage four which is depression and I'll talk about it a little bit more in detail when I talk about the, the burnout of type 1 diabetes. But in terms of diagnosis and real, the realisation, um, that, that bit's tough. I, I deal with things relatively positively and everything is meant to be in my mind. But there's no shying away from built up frustration, kicking yourself and realising there's nothing you can do and that you're stuck on your own usually injecting or in public or dealing with a low or a high it's not fun <laughs> um and the, the first few months maybe even years where, you, where you're dealing with those things by yourself you will feel sorry for yourself and that's that's the depression i'd say and, it, and that, it's not easy but that's all part of the acceptance which leads on to point five which is accepting and dealing with it and moving on and that can go many ways it can go the way of accepting it and f factoring it into your day-to-day -day life or accepting it and conquering it and not letting diabetes rule you you rule type 1 diabetes you decide when you eat you decide how much you eat you decide how many carbs you eat you decide what you can and can't eat not type 1 diabetes at this point, I feel like I should possibly share a little bit of my experience within those stages. Um, so I was diagnosed in the October, so the middle of October. And within the months following my diagnosis, I had my brother's wedding, which was around six weeks after diagnosis. So I was really originally diagnosed and I came out of the hospital. Within four days, I had two job interviews um, one was in London and one was local to myself in the Midlands 
and I attended both and got both. I don't know how looking back because I was getting used to a brand new life and really kind of trying to move on and take everything in my stride. And that works well for me. I think it may not for others. I like being busy and juggling a mini a million things at once, but I'd say it was a little bit risky because I was walking around with this massive handbag type thing full of diabetes supplies, petrified of ever having a hypo because I hadn't had one. And I really was just trying to make the most of life and I was staying high most of the time around like the thirteens and then I started the new job and I was still very, you know, nervous and shy because I was dealing with this diagnosis and that's not me at all um but my brother's wedding was at the start of December and that was around six weeks after my diagnosis and my brother had asked me to be his best man um a long time before I was diagnosed and I'd accepted it and in my head once I was in hospital and I was being diagnosed for some reason that was all I could think about you know how am I going to give this speech and you know, even though I'm okay with public speaking, you know, you're standing up there in front of people and you're like, oh, I could have a hypo, I could not. And I found that bit quite, in, that, that was what I was working towards. That was my concentration. You know, I, I had these job interviews, I was, I was taking life in its stride, but I hadn't at all taken in the diagnosis and accepted it, no matter what I was doing within that time. Um, and I hadn't really changed to the new me. I was still very nervous and hesitant with with the things that I was doing, like pricking my finger and you know looking around at who was looking and wondering how to explain what what I'm doing to people. And so many things were running around in my head. And so it got to the the wedding, and there's lots of stories about what happened at the wedding, such as me having a hypo right at the start of the ceremony. Um, <laughs> so that wasn't great um but I'll tell that in another podcast but so the, the wedding went okay um I, I danced and I drank and it was really nice to feel like I was still a normal person and then I was going away for Christmas um that year and I was also focused on that and I was very nervous for Christmas dinner and there's so many things running through my head and I hadn't reached point four, I hadn't reached the depression part because there was so much to focus on and I'd gone to Spain to see family and friends and I remember getting on the plane back and it wasn't like a bawling cry but a tear leaked out my eye and it was really weird because it was like, okay, when you land in the UK, that's it, this is your new life now, you've got to get on with it man, like this wasn't just a tough six to eight weeks this is this is your new life and you've got to make the most of it um and and that that was when I accepted it and that tear was the sulk that tear was every bit of pain and anguish and frustration why me was was absorbed in that and uh, so the second part I'm going to talk about is diabetes burnout and you may have heard of this, you may have experienced this, you may know of this. Um, it's basically the, the constant surroundings of stress for type 1 diabetes people, of constantly checking, constantly thinking, analysing, counting, um, and, and really breaking things down into 
a complete and a constant. I mean, I know that there's a difference between people that have been diagnosed when they were young versus diagnosed as an adult. And I, I believe that because I've experienced being diagnosed as an adult, the only thing I, 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 I can compare it to is, you know, when you've worked day in, day out, day in, day out, and you really think you do the weekend or you do a holiday, and then you really, really do a holiday. It's like that, but all the time. <laughs> Obviously, that depends on how well you manage and how much you enjoy yourself and how much pressure you put on the things that you're doing. But sometimes it can feel like that. And when it starts to feel like that, you just want a break. And the burnout is your break, really. That's where you've just had enough. And sometimes people will deal with it in many ways. They'll just skip injections or not bother carb counting or not really care or pay attention to what they're eating. It's known that some people drink and drink to excess and either just guess what that they're going to do and that can end up in various different scenarios, both high and low, um, where, where diabetes burnout really takes an impact and everyone will experience that from time to time, the constant monitoring and pressure and and just absorbing all the information to do with your blood sugar levels constantly can get to people. I think anything would be like that to look at that from a work point of view that's like regularly looking at the clock people get bored of looking at the clock when they're working at a shift or, or whatnot imagine doing that every day but there is no work to finish and instead of the clock you're looking at a glucose monitor which is just numbers which is nothing you can do about it straight away it can be quite frustrating at times just to give you a statistic to back that up, and if you are listening to this newly diagnosed, it's not all doom and gloom, I promise you. The community is great. Please reach out to them at any point. However, the statistic I will give is that people with diabetes are twice as likely than the rest of the population to suffer with depression and or anxiety due to the constant managing and overwhelmingness of their condition. And from the survey that are conducted with Diabetes UK, they found that the two reasons are... One, worrying whether they're managing their condition correctly. And two, the potential complications that can come from not managing their diabetes correctly. So I'm just going to give you my version and analogy of how to look at these two things. So first of all, how you manage your condition. Well, you have guidelines, you know what are good numbers to be within. And working towards something is always a good place to start. So we know where we'd like to be. Part two is accepting that sometimes we won't be. Sometimes we can't perform these magic numbers and we need to celebrate small wins. Whether you're starting celebrating being 10% in target, then 20% in target, or whether you've just judged a meal really well, there's little wins that you can take bit by bit and you've really got to appreciate those. Because the more you appreciate those, then they'll lead to bigger things. And that's how best to digest it. Give yourself a pat on the back. You're doing something that most of the population do not need to do. And if you can do it well once, that's an achievement. So please be proud of yourself. Part two, looking at the complications. Now, this is something that a lot of people will struggle to come to terms with. And you may skip this part because I don't blame you. I was in a position before. Now, having looked at the figures and the percentages of complications in relation to HbA1c's they are relatively low most of the complications are under 10% and that's that's quite low and that's for 
a not so good HbA1c. That doesn't mean that you should stop caring about it, but stop worrying about it because in any normal non-diabetic's life, there are so many health conditions they can get on in their later life or things that can happen. It's not worth fretting about. If it happens when it comes to it, there's a community that can support and listen and deal with the stress and they will have already been there and they may be able to help, but it's not the end of the world. I mean, you get regular eye tests that no one else gets. It's a, a small bonus. There's quite a few small bonuses and the more you look at those, the better you may feel. Those are the main points of diabetes burnout, but please don't think that's the only t occasion that a type 1 diabetic won't be happy. I'll be completely honest with you, having lived a life where I wasn't type 1 diabetic and lived a life for a nearly a year now where I have been, my mood swings are bigger than you can ever imagine. I get annoyed at little things when my blood sugars are high. I get really confused and people will ask me a question and I'll look at them blank when my sugars are high. Sometimes I'll get a little bit lazy and tired when I'm low and and these things will all look like so many other things that they're not and these are all type 1 diabetes related feelings and visions that you'll see and if you're with a type 1 diabetic in terms of family friend or partner you've got to kind of learn these things and maybe help because when they're all flustered they may not actually be annoyed that you've done something wrong it may just be that they're a little bit high just keep note of that there's also further conditions a lot of which link into anxiety but i'm not the best person to talk about conditions such as diabulimia as i haven't experienced this although i have spoke to some fantastic people who have been very kind and open with speaking about their condition and their journey with diabulimia and that just to give a quick op overview of the condition and please correct me if I do get this wrong and send me a message but diabulimia is similar to the eating disorder bulimia however with diabetes if you consistently run high your body will then effectively eat the fat inside to and you'll urinate out a lot of your um Fat similar to when I was in DKA, diabetic ketoacidosis, when I was diagnosed, I'd lost a lot of weight because my blood sugars were running high and I was effectively urinating fat um, out of my system. That may not be medically correct, but I was losing a lot of weight and I was weighing a lot. And that's probably how they intertwine. Anyway, linking that diabetes and bulimia is that you could effectively run high for a long period of time and cause serious health issues with your organs. Um, it can lead to your organs stopping working uh, or some organs having to work extra hard and some severe long-term damage um, whilst losing weight. Uh, and, and some people can experience that um, as a health and uh, mental health disorder and um, if you do feel like you are experiencing any of that like any of these issues that I've spoken about please reach out to someone if you are comfortable talking about it there are, there are people on Instagram that have specialist Instagram set up and online and on forums 
that you'll be able to talk about how you feel and hopefully they'll be able to help because no one should ever suffer alone. And before I summarise with my hopes and recommendations, I need to make that point clear. This is a health condition that is long term and will affect anyone that has it mentally at some point. It will also affect those around those people because hopefully if they are trying to understand how one may feel, then they may be able to help. But sometimes you can't always help. It's an unpredictable condition that can only really get better controlled in time. And I hate saying better controlled because it's an uncontrollable condition. Um, hence why when people say, oh, are you, are you able to predict, you know, what you're going to be? No, it's an unpredictable health condition. But please reach out if you do feel low. Give it a Google. Give your local diabetes team a call. Give your 999 a call or your country's relevant area health professional number. Just reach out and talk to someone if you're struggling, please. And now we reach my conclusion and recommendation. This is a new part of the show because I feel we need it. To summarise, type 1 diabetes is a completely draining long-term health condition. It affects you physically and mentally and requires day-to-day -day care, even through the night. Understanding isn't the easiest of things for other people, health professionals or the type 1 diabetic themselves of why things are happening. Others may not know what diabetes is or what they can do and some health professionals from experience and listening to people get things completely wrong sometimes when it comes to mental health and how they can help someone. So I feel we're in dire need of a mental health movement for type 1 diabetics. I believe there should be the opportunity for open therapy and a specialist team that are able to provide this round the clock. The current climate following the coronavirus outbreak has given so much more scope for virtual meetings and virtual sessions that the ability to have these on a regular basis for people to discuss their type 1 diabetes problems, stresses and anxiety would have such a beneficial impact on type 1 diabetics. I also believe and have spoke about this with others that a group, a regular group, possibly monthly, where newly diagnosed type 1 diabetics can join the group to discuss type 1 diabetes and ask any questions they wish is ideal. I was diagnosed last October and never met another type 1 diabetic until a month after then. And by that time, I had no idea what questions to ask because I was in the middle of trying to understand the condition myself. And if I would have had the opportunity to know that I was going to meet someone and talk to a lot of people where I could ask silly questions, then I'd have prepared for it. And over that month of time since my diagnosis, I'd be able to think of these silly questions. What about what happens if I do this? What happens if I do that? Even the embarrassing ones of what happens if I have sex? Can, can I hypo? And I, lots of things around that that maybe in an open platform 
people could discuss and talk about their experiences. As I find with a lot of medical health professionals within diabetes, sometimes they don't have type 1 diabetes and it's quite difficult to discuss these things with them without them having first-hand experience. So that's the newly diagnosed group, but I think that the initial ability to connect with someone at any time would be great. Group conversations are also fantastic, and I think that we all need to know that as a normal person, you will go through so many aspects of your life, from puberty to teenage years, when you reach your 20s and start your career, where you may be in an office and type 1 diabetes will affect you there, from when you're starting a family, wanting to have children, how you may feel about your children potentially having type 1 diabetes and how you're going to deal with that, and then moving on into your elderly years. You may want to discuss different things at different times. And I'd really like the platform to be there for people to do this in a non-judgmental environment with experience to share a plenty. And with the opportunity for these to be virtual, I'd really, really appreciate if a diabetic community such as JDRF or Diabetes UK or even local health professionals began creating these groups. I understand that especially in the UK with the NHS, funding is always an issue. However, with any part of business or life, you need to respond to demand. And the demand is that there is an increasing amount of people with mental health difficulties, whether they're type 1 diabetic or not. And I really think we need to start looking at health from the angle that we need to start a culture of care. And that is caring for people in a more understanding and open way. So ability to talk to people regularly at any time who have experience of being type 1 diabetic, point one. Point two is regular group meetings which are available for people to access which talk about specific things such as it could be dating and teenage years to managing type 1 diabetes when you're over 50 and how you look at it from there that will fit certain demographics of people and thirdly a monthly meeting group for newly diagnosed people to be able to talk with other type 1 diabetics and ask as many silly questions as they like i know we have instagram i know we have facebook i know we have forums but Social media is social media. It's full of people putting on their best faces and showing their big smiles. And that's not good for anyone, really, especially with a condition where you're going to be stressed a lot more than a normal person. <laughs> if I could add a fourth request onto this as well, is linking into the newly diagnosed group. I really think we need a parents group for parents of diagnosed type 1 diabetic children. Having spoken to a few in the short time I've been diabetic, I have seen faces of ultimate worry and stress, and I completely sympathise with that. And if you're, you, you, you have type 1 diabetes and your parents have, have brought you up from being a type 1 diabetic as a child, please send them my complete admiration because the stresses and tribulations of bringing up a child is one thing, let alone adding in having to check their blood sugar and inject them with insulin and constantly monitor them for hours upon end must be hugely mentally draining. And I'd like the support to be there for the parents of type 1 diabetics too. 
So, that's it. There's a little bit of a rundown of the diagnosis and understanding it. We have a bit of a background behind other diabetes, mental health issues. And we have the recommendations that I put forward that I think will make life a lot better for type 1 diabetics and those surrounding them. A final point I'd like to make is I think that we all need to make mental health help the norm rather than the exception. Help should not be something that you need to reach out for anymore. We all know help is needed from time to time and the facility needs to be there for specialist help. Thank you for listening. Please follow me on Instagram, type one, the number one, Tobias. Um, do give me a message if you've uh, listened to this and you, it resonates with you or you agree or you feel like I may have missed something. As I've said, I've been diabetic less than a year and I'm still understanding the condition to the best of my ability. I wish you a fantastic day. Thank you for listening if you have got all the way through and take care. Bye bye.